a little bit of an update on that uh, here uh, later this morning during announcements. But for now, uh, know a couple of things. In between the Sunday school hour and the morning service, uh, we are going to have uh, uh, two things going on. We're going to have, you see the tables out there, dads, it is your day, all right? So uh, dads, now look, there's probably a healthier way to celebrate this and, and you can do that, but today it's going to be donuts for you dads, all right? <laughs> donuts, can I get a witness from you dads? Donuts for dads. Amen. Amen. There you go. Just dip it in your coffee, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Brother Steve, I remember the first time we had donuts at the office, we worked together. He goes, man, they don't have donuts like this in South Africa. Uh, so uh, don't take the donuts for granted, gentlemen, all right? Uh, but there'll be donuts for dads out in the parking lot for you guys. Uh, and then you kids that are normally in your Sunday school hour, you will still go out to the grassy area during our break and meet with your teachers and get your memory verses and say your memory verses. And uh, you will not have donuts today because that's for dads. Uh, you're going to have a cookie instead, all right? So uh, again, probably not the healthiest of choices. You can make up for it the other six days in the week, parents. We hope that you will, all right? Uh, John, Gospel of John this morning. Gospel of John, I do want to say thank you, church family, just for rolling with the punches in regards to our building situation and uh, just trusting God. That's what we're called to do, uh, is to trust God, and um, that's what we're doing. And it's just, it's a blessing to pastor a group of people. I've been to some churches where it's like, you know, that ain't how we used to do it. And it's like, well, sometimes you got to change things up. That's life. And if you read your Bible for any amount of time, you learn pretty quickly uh, that uh, that's the story of the Bible. Things don't stay the same. God, God, listen to me, God stays the same. Truth stays the same. Doctrine stays the same. But the circumstances of life move around. They fluctuate. Uh, John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse number 6, uh, talking about, I think it's kind of fitting for Father's Day. And the, the message this morning, by the way, is uh, entitled, uh, biblical, uh, uh, Why We Need Biblical Manhood Today, and that's the, at the 11 o'clock hour. But I think it's kind of fitting, since we're going to look at that later on this morning, uh, that the first verse we look at in verse 6 says this, There was a man sent from God. Can I start with this much? There was a man. I mean, somebody could differentiate between what a man and a woman was. All right, that's the first thing. And then I want you to notice he sent from God, uh, which means that the Lord had a part in bringing him here for a purpose, whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, talking about Jesus Christ, which lighteth every man that cometh in the world. Notice that the word light in verse 9 is capitalized because that's a reference to the title related to the person of Jesus Christ. He, verse 10, Jesus was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, aren't you glad for this? As many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Father, we ask for your blessing. We thank you this morning as we celebrate Father's Day. Number one, God, that I can just call you my Father. What a blessing that is. And Lord, thank you for being a perfect Heavenly Father. Thank you for never disappointing, never failing. Lord, always being on the right side of things and just being consistent, being a, a, a perfect Father to us. And Lord, we're sorry. We're not perfect kids. We mess up. We stray. But I'm thankful that your hand is always there. 
And God, I pray that you would bless uh, the word of God as we go through in the gospel of John in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, again, I want to point out a couple things here about what's said in verse number six. And uh, I want to call your attention to the fact that it says there was a man sent from God. And uh, gentlemen, I just want to say this, the, the challenge for you men today, and this is for every believer, but especially you men, especially being that it's Father's Day, is this, God's looking for a man. Look at Ezekiel chapter 22. Go to your Old Testament. God is looking for a man, and, uh, and I, I'll say this as well, ladies, he's looking for some, some biblical women as well, all right? Uh, this is not to exclude you, but I, I wanna, I'm going to kind of keep the, the, the gas pedal down on the men for a little bit today. I think it's good. Hey, guys, can you let me do that once or twice a year? Is that okay? All right, uh, Ezekiel chapter 22, and you know what, the, the, the problem with society today is this, the, the lack of man, biblical manhood, that's the problem. Uh, Ezekiel 22, it is not, listen to me, it is not, masculinity is not the issue. Uh, it, the, the, the issue is biblical manhood. Look at Ezekiel 22, and look if you would at verse number 30, and this is God speaking right now. Go back to verse 29, verse 29 kind of shows you where things are at today in our society. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy, eh? They have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And then look what God says. We know what God's solution was to fixing this. It was not a movement. It was not some great, you know, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, parachurch organization. Do you know what God's solution was for the problems in that day? It was, I need a man. Why can't I find a man? I mean, I don't mean to, to pick on you guys, but the other day, Brother Eric says, anybody here want to volunteer and pick up folks for church? Three women shot their arms up, and I'm looking, where are the guys at? I knew this was going to get real fun, real fast. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to challenge you a little bit, gentlemen, to understand that this is the issue with today. We are sitting back a little too often, letting the ladies drive far too much. We're forcing them to do what sometimes we should be doing. Are you listening? And the problem is this. It is not, you know, I, I see society and I see where things are going. And it's not so much, uh, I, I look at, for example, uh, single moms. You know, what, you know what that is? That's a result of a man that didn't do his job. Amen. And, uh, and, and so you know what happens? A, a woman has to do both roles and she's not made to do both roles. And so, gentlemen, you know what I'm asking you to do? Look at what it says here in verse 30. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But look at the commentary. The worst part of this whole thing is I found none. I was looking for one guy. Listen, it took one guy being willing to stand up in Genesis chapter 6 and stand out from the rest of the world. And if it wasn't for that one guy, guys, we wouldn't be here right now. His name is Noah. If it wasn't for one man standing up, if it wasn't for one man that stood out from all the, the families and tribes in the area of, of, of what we look at today as Israel and Palestine, uh, if it wasn't for one man that the Bible says that God, speaking of that man, said this, I know that he will command his family after him. If it wasn't for that man, Abraham, you wouldn't have the blessing of the nation of Israel. It takes one man being willing to stand up and stand out, and God can do something with it. Can I say this about John the Baptist? He stood out. He stood out. Uh, and, and let me say this. This is something that I think applies to you ladies, you young people, everybody in here. Uh, you know what the hardest things to do as a Christian is stand out. You want to blend in. You kind of want to be a chameleon. I literally had a Christian not that long ago say, I'm kind of a chameleon. I kind of blend in wherever I'm at. I thought, that's your problem. 
that's your problem. Listen, being all things to all men that I might by all means save some does not mean that you become exactly like them, talk like them, live like them, because you will not reach them when you do that, because you won't stand out. We have a hard time saying, I just kind of want to be like everybody else. You're not called to be like everybody else. You're not called to act like everybody else. You're not called to look like everybody else. You're not called to post on social media like everybody else. You're called to stand out. There are some Christians in this church who I think are pretty regular and pretty faithful about putting Bible verses out there, putting them online. I think that's great. I think that's wonderful. You know why? Because more people need to see the Bible. You will stand out when you do that. But I'm going to tell you this. It's not going to be easy. Uh, You know what? If it wasn't for one man... Uh, being willing to say no to sin and dying for your sins, you wouldn't be here right now. It takes a man. It takes one. Let me, let me ask you this. Uh, have you ever looked out at, at, uh, at history and seen the things that God could accomplish in your Bible through just one person? You ever look at, at Ruth? You look at the story of uh, Ruth and Naomi and all that kind of stuff. And Naomi, you know the whole story. She comes back and and they go, oh, it's Naomi. She goes, don't call me that, call me Mark, because that means bitter. The, the English, uh, the, the, the way we'd use that word today oftentimes would be Mary. All right, it means bitter. And then you got the story about Ruth. Here's a young lady who could have gone the way of the world, and she chooses differently. And that one lady is in the line of Jesus Christ, and she's in the line of David the king, and she doesn't even belong there, but she, she chose to be there. Are you listening to me? It's one just standing up. Are you willing to stand out and kind of be different? Uh, I, I know this. I, I've talked to some young people, try to take their Bible to school. And here's what happens. After summer camp, they're all fired up. They want to take their Bible everywhere. They go to school for about a week with their Bibles. People start making fun of them. People start picking at them. And then they have to decide, am I going to keep doing this? Yeah. Let me tell you right now, uh, they will keep making fun of you until you grow a backbone and keep taking your Bible to school. Eventually, they'll quit because they'll realize, I can't shake that guy. But if every time they go, you fall over, they'll keep doing it. It it takes one person being willing to stand up and go, I want to make a difference for Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was that man. And uh, let me let me just say this much about him. Uh, He was sent from God. I want to show you something. Look at uh, Malachi chapter number three, Malachi chapter three, second or last book of your Old Testament. If you get to Matthew, you have gone way too far. All right. So Malachi or as my Italian pastor friends call him, Malachi. <laughs> Malachi chapter 3, and look if you would at verse number 1. Uh, I want to show you something that's really interesting. Um, uh, Malachi chapter 3, look at verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come... Saith the, the, uh, saith the Lord of hosts, but who may abide the day of his coming? Now, what you're going to find oftentimes in your Bible is when there's prophecy, listen to me, about Jesus Christ, what you're going to find is that oftentimes the prophecy will include things that could re- uh, refer to his first coming as well as his second coming. And they'll be found in the same passage. Look, if you would, at verse 1 of... I almost said Malachi again. Malachi chapter 3, look at verse 1. And then look at verse 2. It's very clear from verse 2 that verse 2 is talking about the second advent. That's the second coming of Jesus Christ to put his kingdom on the earth and all that. Did you see that there's literally 2,000 years of time separated by just a punctuation mark? Isn't that crazy? That's how your Bible is put together. Now, I want you to notice that verse 1 is is something you're going to find in your New Testament. So look at verse 1, but also go to Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. 
a little bit to the left, Isaiah chapter 40. And then we're going to go to Mark, and I'm going to show you something. Isaiah chapter 40. Now, there are some things that sometimes, because we don't have hours and hours and hours, and I don't have, uh, I really don't feel like it's the best use of our time when we're in a lesson like this, for me to take an entire hour and try to teach some things that are uh, uh, maybe a little bit loftier than, may, than, than maybe some might be able to grasp, and I would rather not do that. Uh, but but I, I want you to understand this. I'm mentioning this for a reason. Uh, when you read Mark chapter 2, you're going to notice something in your Bible, and then I'm going to show you something from another Bible, and you're going to see a difference. All right, Ma- Isaiah chapter 40, uh, look if you would at verse number 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness... Prepare ye the way. Oh, that's verse 3. That's a good one, too. Sorry. Uh, Look at verse 30. Uh, No, it was verse 3. I I had it misprinted up there. It is verse 3. Sorry, guys. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way, Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, I want you to kind of take mental note of what's found in Malachi 3 and what's found in Isaiah 40, verse 3. Okay? Now look at Mark chapter number 2. Mark chapter number 2. And if I could have Brother Joe, if you could read Mark chapter 2 and, uh, Mark chapter 1, sorry. I'm getting, I'm a little dyslexic this morning. I don't know what's going on. Mark chapter 1, verse number 2. Mark chapter 1, if you can read that real nice and loud for us, stand up, brother, if you don't mind. Mark 1, verse 2. Okay, as is written where? In the prophets, all right? Uh, Let me read this to you. Uh, The good news of Jesus Christ, the message begins here, following to the letter of the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now, let me me point something out to you. What you're reading in Mark chapter 1, verse 2 is a combination of Malachi 3, verse 1, and Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Did you guys get that? It shouldn't just say Isaiah, it should say the prophets. When, when you have a Bible that says Isaiah, they're, 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 they're missing something, all right? Now, you may not think that's a big deal, but I'm trying to show you that there's a reason why oftentimes when people come to church, they go, how come you read now that 400-year-old book? I, some of those words are a little archaic and so on and so forth. There's a reason for it. I don't have time to go on all the manuscript evidence. I, I, could, I could go for hours and hours teaching that. I got that for three years of school. I'd be glad to do that. However, I think most of you would be asleep by the time I get five minutes into it. So I'm not going to do that. Here's what I am going to say. You guys can read English, and you can see that Malachi said, said one part of that verse in Mark 1, and, and Isaiah said the other part of that verse uh, of Mark 1, and it should say the prophets, not just Isaiah, because it wasn't just Isaiah that was quoted in Mark 1. Did you guys get a hold of that? Does that make sense? All right, uh, your NIV, the Message Bible, and a bunch of other ones basically say Isaiah. Uh, that's, a, that's not correct, because it wasn't just Isaiah. If you're quoting Malachi and Isaiah, and you just point out, as is written in the scroll of Isaiah, you're, 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 you're missing something that should be mentioned. And the reality is this, the, the reason the Lord does that in the New Testament, hear me out, guys, I'm not, this is not a hobby horse thing, the reason the Lord does that is because He's trying to show you that oftentimes, in reference to prophecy about John the Baptist, or about Jesus Christ Himself, you're going to find there's verses throughout the Old Testament, and He puts them together, sometimes to show you the difference between the first coming and the second coming, but you don't want to ignore that there's more than one author that's being mentioned there. It's not just Isaiah. It is the prophets, all right? And listen, I want you to understand this much. His entire ministry, his entire ministry was to be a witness of somebody else. 
I, I want you to consider this. Look at John chapter 16. I want you to consider this. Uh, your life, the, the ministry of John the Baptist parallels the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's not here to talk about himself. If you ever find a group of people, uh, maybe they're born-again Christians. It doesn't mean they're less than you or, or that they're bad people. They might be just as saved as you are. But if they're always hung up on the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, at the neglect of mentioning the, the, the primary person of salvation, Jesus Christ, there's something a little bit off there because, here's why, Jesus himself said that the ministry of the Holy Spirit would not be to talk about himself, but to talk about Jesus Christ. Now, you know how that parallels with your life? Look at John uh, chapter 16, verse 13. Read it for yourself. When you read that verse, I want you to think about this, because this is the, the parallel between the ministry of John the Baptist, all right, to bear witness of that light, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think about this. Your life, your story should not be about you. It's a shocking revelation, I know. Your story should be about Jesus Christ. And in your life should point other people. L- listen to this. Here's kind of a humbling thought. The reason you exist right now is for God's glory and God's pleasure. The reason you're breathing, the reason God gave you another day of life, is so that you can continue to point other people to Jesus Christ, the most important person in the universe. And and when you fail to do that, you fail to reach the purpose of your existence. There's an identity crisis going on in our society, if you haven't noticed, and it's been foisted on society on purpose. To get people all confused, you know why? God's not the author of confusion. And you know where that starts? It starts in the church house. Understand this, the reason you're here is not to have a nice family and make a lot of money. Now, if you have a nice family and make a lot of money, praise God. But the reason you're here is not for those things. It's to bear witness of that light. The entire, listen, guys, I, I mentioned this, I think, on, uh, maybe it was Wednesday night. I think it might be, or maybe it was last Sunday in Sunday school. Uh, but the, the moon itself is a dead planet. It has no light. It reflects the light from another source. That's you. That's us as a body. We are dead in and of ourselves, but we have light that we can put out to the world that's a reflection of Jesus Christ. That's what John was sent to do. He was sent to bear witness of that light, very similarly to to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to get a hold of right now. If John's ministry parallels the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we should ask ourselves, why is that? Here's the answer. The answer is because he was submitted to the Spirit of God which is what we're studying on Wednesday nights. When you're submitted to the Spirit of God, do you know what happens? It becomes less about you, and it becomes more about Jesus Christ. It becomes less about your problems and your frustrations and the people you don't like and this and all the, all the reasons we can complain and gripe in life. It becomes less about that. John the Baptist, when they went to him and they said, hey, uh, are you okay with this Jesus guy taking over and kind of taking over the scene? Because, I mean, I mean you have these disciples, and now they're starting to follow him. You know what he says? He must increase and I must decrease. Yeah. You know what the problem is in our lives? We need to decrease. So that we can do what we're called to do and bear witness of that light. Go back, if you would, to John. John, he was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Can I ask you a simple question? How much time in the day do you talk about yourself? and your things, and your life, and look, they're not all evil, I'm not trying to be, I promise I'm not asking this question to try to make you feel guilty, I'm just trying to challenge you to think a little bit, how how often is your conversation centered with you at the center, 
Yeah. And, and how often is it centered on Jesus Christ? Right? How often are your thoughts centered on you? Like, like when things happen in your life, is the first thought like how this is affecting me? Because that's normal and that's natural. And I'm with you in the same boat. But you know what happens when you get to be, when you walk with Jesus Christ and you're in fellowship with him and you're submitted to the Spirit of God? Your first response is not, how's this affecting me and how's this going to bother me? Your first response is, Lord, what do you think about this? Lord, what do you want to get out of this? Lord, you must be doing something that I can't see. Our building and all the VBS stuff, it has to be put on hold in Sunday school, no Sunday school. It's really easy to go, God, don't you know we had VBS planned for June 9th through June 12th? The Lord's like, oh, I missed that one. Let me fix that right now. I, I mean, I mean it's, it's on us to get in line with him, not the other way around. And John the Baptist got a hold of that. He understood that the purpose for his life was to point other people to somebody besides himself. Look at John chapter number 3. John chapter 3. And look, if you would, there at uh, verse number uh, 28. John chapter 3 and verse number 28. The Bible says, Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth and rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. By the way, if you follow, listen to me, if you follow what Paul writes about, the bride is the church, amen? All right, born again, it's the church. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. John the Baptist is not part of the bride. John the Baptist is a friend of the bridegroom. All right, he's kind of like a best man if you want to look at it that way. He's kind of preparing everybody for what's coming. And, and ultimately, his ministry is to get rid of himself and make way for Jesus Christ. You know, that's your ministry. That's my ministry. All right, guys, let me say this. 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now, some of us won't be here. We'll be gone. We'll be, we'll be dead. And I'd like to say the rapture happens. I, I'd love that. But if it doesn't, and we kick the bucket like many saints have before us, can I ask you a question? What are you going to leave behind? Are you going to leave behind any legacy about Jesus Christ at all? Or would it just be he was here, he had a job, he made some money, he retired, good family, died and gone? What influence will you leave besides that? I want you to think about it. You know what John the Baptist did? He left a great legacy. He said, look at verse number 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. That's Jesus Christ. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Do you see it that way? Do you see Jesus Christ as above all? Above all your circumstances? Above all your problems? Above all your feelings? Above all your emotions? Above all your, your pride? Above all your plans? Above all the things that you want in this life? You go, okay, Lord, it's not about me anymore. It's about you. That, you want, okay, you want to be used of God? Everybody goes, yeah, I want to be used of God. These are the kinds of people that God uses. God uses people that are okay with it not being about them. You come to, listen, we don't, thank God we don't necessarily have a, I don't believe we have a situation like this here, but I've been to churches where if someone sits in someone else's chair, that's my chair. Here's a poor visitor who doesn't know anybody from Adam. They come sit down somewhere. They have no idea where they're at. They could even barely find you because you're on the stinking side of a bank. 
and, and they make it, they go, okay, I'm at the right place. I'm at a church, you know, and I, and I hear the pastor mention about the, the downstairs and the problems with the building and this and that, and the, I'm just trying to get my bearings, and the, now I go through, so, and then someone comes up to me and goes, you sat in my chair. What in the world are you thinking when you say something like that? You know what the problem is? The problem is you think it's everything's about you, and it's not all about you. It's about Jesus Christ. I've said this before, and I mean it. There, there are a couple things that will teach you how selfish you are. Getting married. And then if you're still really selfish, having kids. Amen? Uh, because what happens is the Lord kind of chips away at that. I mean, from the moment you're pregnant, right? It's all about this thing in here. And it's telling you, you're, you, you thought you were going to be okay. You're going to be sick for the next 10 days. And, and it's telling you, you, you said, no, I'm not going to eat bad food. But now it's saying, I want nachos with jalapenos on them. And, it, and it's all about someone else instead of it being about you. And listen, in your life, how about this? You lead someone to Christ. You get, we got some young people that gotten saved here recently. Thank God for that. Uh, and you start ministering to them, and you start pouring your life into them, and you go, man, it's work. Yeah, it's supposed to be. You know why? It's not supposed to be about ourselves. It's about others in Jesus Christ. John the Baptist got a hold of that. Now, I, I want you to understand, this guy was a little unorthodox. He's a little weird. He shows up out of the wilderness. And I just want to point this out. He does not make it more comfortable for the people. He just does what God tells him to do. And then they come and they show up. The parallel to today is this. Why do you have to preach the Bible so much? Someone said one time, what do you guys have at your church? I said, well, I mean, you mean like different ministries? You know, like, what do you guys, what's the service like? I said, well, you know, we sing. And, and then we get to the Bible. Like, how long are you guys in the Bible? Like, I, uh, it could be a long time. Uh, because in most churches you sing for 40 minutes and then you have like a 15-minute devotional and you go home. And listen, I'm not saying we couldn't sing some more songs. I'm not saying that's not, that's not on, on the table. That's a good thing too. But I want you to understand as well, guys, the center of this thing is not about what's convenient for us. When you start coming to church and thinking, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. It's just too long or it's just too much. I, I don't know. You, you need to start changing your mind and thinking a little bit more like John the Baptist. I'm not here for me. And by the way, thank God we have air conditioning. All right. Thank God also we're in Colorado, not Florida. If you ever live in Florida and don't have air conditioning, you're going to think you're in purgatory, man. Or you're going to think you're in the tribulation or something. But thank God we have, we have soft chairs. We've got air conditioning. We've got bathrooms. You know, we've got some modern conveniences. Thank God for that. But let me ask you this. If tomorrow the Lord said, okay, I want you guys to go ahead and set up camp on a piece of land somewhere in northeast Aurora and just put a tent up. Some of you are like, I've been looking for a new church. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess here's my thing is this. If that's where God wants me, regardless of my comfort, that's where I should go, right? So you know what John the Baptist does? John the Baptist preaches in the wilderness. I mean, here's this crazy guy. And the first thing, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If he preached here today, some of you wouldn't like him and you wouldn't come back. I'm telling the truth. Most modern Christians wouldn't know what to do with John the Baptist. And, and by the way, I'm going to explain this in a moment. He's not called the Baptist because he's the first Baptist, all right, in the sense that we're Baptist. I want to make that very clear. We'll come back and explain that later. So I'm like, oh, man, I was hoping that's why we called ourselves that. That's not why. All right. Uh, how about this? His diet and his clothing. Oh, my goodness. Camel's hair, wild locusts and honey. I mean, th that's a pretty wild dude. He stood out. You know what? He was okay with that. You know why? Because God used him. Are you okay standing out? Are you okay being weird? 
Are you okay being called eccentric? All right. There we go. Look at that in the first try. What a blessing. All right. Uh, uh, look, look, if you would, uh, go back to John chapter 1. John, I'm sorry, I'm excited. Before uh, service, the guys were like, Pastor, test the, the little laser pointer thing. And I'm like clicking, and it's working like, like nobody's business. And I thought, man, that's great. But wait till we get into service. And it's working. That's a blessing. All right. Now, oh, look, some of you don't get it. Those are a big deal to me, okay? All right, little victories are a big deal to me, right? Uh, John chapter number 1, look, if you would, at... Uh, Oh, verse number six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through might believe he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now, in this passage right here, he's not called John the Baptist, uh, but he is elsewhere. All right. In the Gospel of Matthew, he's called that. And I just want to make a couple things clear. He's not called John the Baptist in the sense of a denomination. All right. I want to make this clear because of this. There's some people that kind of lean in that ideology in that direction. Here's the problem with that. Uh, if you were to read, uh, let's see here, go to Luke chapter 16 in your Bibles, Luke chapter 16, what you're going to find out is that the law and the prophets were until John, okay? Now, here we believe in rightly dividing the Word of God, Second Timothy chapter 2 uh, tells us that we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth, which means this, if you don't heed that commandment, you can wrongly divide. Right. And so I want to rightly divide the word of God. And so remember this, uh, everything is written for you in the Bible, but not everything is written to you in the Bible. All right. That's a principle along the same lines. All right. But what I want you to understand is this right here up until the death of Jesus Christ, it's Old Testament as far as God's concerned. I know we've t- mentioned this many times before, but for some of you, it might be a new concept over in Hebrews chapter nine. You don't have to turn there, but in Hebrews chapter nine, I believe it's verse number 16. It says, without the death of a testator, there can be no testament. You know what that means? And the context of that whole passage is about Jesus Christ being the giver, uh, the bearer of the new covenant. So without the death of the testator being Jesus Christ, there can be no testament. In other words, you're still, when you're reading Matthew, and you're reading Mark, and you're reading Luke, and you're reading all this history, and even the stuff reading in John, do you know what you're reading? The life and ministry of Jesus Christ takes place, as far as God is concerned, under the Old Covenant, or as we would call it, the Old Testament. I understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are in the New Testament, as far as the arrangement of the books of your Bible, clearly not changing or challenging that. But as far as history is concerned, from God's perspective, you're under the Old Covenant. So guys, let me just tell you this. John the Baptist is not a New Testament preacher. He's an Old Testament prophet, all right? Let me, let me go a step further. He's a Sabbath-observing, beard-wearing, pork-abstaining, uh, Old Testament Jewish prophet, all right? That's Old Testament stuff. That's not where you're at anymore. All right, look at Luke 16 and verse number 16. And look what he says there. And you'll notice that he says the law and the prophets were until John, all right? Now, that's important. For a number of reasons. Number one, historically understand that his ministry is under the Old Testament. All right. And I point that out for for a number of reasons, one of which is this. All right. We do not as uh, today. I'll I'll make this very clear. I'm not saved because I'm a Baptist. All right. I'm not a good Christian because I'm a Baptist. I'm not any of the things that you want to throw in that list because I'm a Baptist. The reason why we have the name Baptist on, because I want to clarify this is not even necessarily because I trace my lineage back to, you know, the, the apostles. I mean, 
you can do that from a doctrinal standpoint. But trying to trace back, I think a lot of people break their necks doing that. And by the way, you want to jump in that pool, that's where the Campbellites are at, that's where the Catholics are at. Everybody's trying to fight for who was first. And here's all I can tell you. I can look back doctrinally and say this. What I believe today is what I believe that Paul, what Paul the Apostle was preaching during his time. I can say that with confidence, all right? But I'm not going to trace my line back to, my line back to John the Baptist when he's an Old Testament prophet. Is this making sense for you guys? All right? Uh, so so I, I want you to get a hold of that. Uh, the other thing is this, all right, guys? Uh, whenever, uh, over there in Matthew 17, you remember the story where Jesus Christ goes on top of a mountain? On the Mount of Transfiguration? Remember who shows up there? Who shows up? Moses and Elijah. I heard mama, mama, mama. Some of you guys are a little nervous about saying it. That's right. You had it. Moses and Elijah. All right. Those are the two that show up. You say, what do they represent? The law and the prophets. Now you say, well, what does that matter with John the Baptist? Well, let me show you some. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. By the way, when John the Baptist showed up, he did not preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me go a step further. Jesus himself did not preach that as, as when he first started his ministry. When Jesus started his ministry, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, which is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If someone came to church today and said, what must I do to be saved? I would not say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what I would say? I would say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. All right? Now, now look at uh, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. And let me show you something really interesting about John the Baptist. Real peculiar... Uh, uh, thing that's mentioned about him. Matter of fact, I'm going to have you read a couple of verses more than just the one that's listed up here, but look at Matthew 11, uh, starting in verse number 11. Verily, I, oh, go back to verse 10. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face. Just one more practical challenge, if I can. Could God trust you to be his messenger? All right, we were carrying some furniture, me and uh, another brother in Christ. He doesn't come to our church, but was carrying something, and and uh, uh, I, I didn't let him know that I was going to be, you know, putting it down or something like that. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I said, yeah, man, confidence in an unfaithful man is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. You know, like, like oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't faithful on that one. You know what we're called to be? Faithful. Can God trust you to be his messenger? Ever play the game of telephone? Remember that game? Where you go around, by the time you get around to the other side, it's like, oh, my goodness, that didn't sound anything like what it started. Could God trust you to take what he says and pass it on to others just like he said it? Behold, I send my messenger, that's what he says here, that's what he calls him, uh, but my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I send you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, we've done this before, we're not going to do it this morning. We pointed out the differences between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. All right. That said, let's, let's keep moving. Look what he says in verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Uh, the, the best cross-reference to that in your Bible, if you want to put a verse there, is Daniel chapter 7, verse 18. Because what it talks about is the kingdoms being restored to Jesus Christ. How does the, kingdom, uh, the kingdoms of this world get turned over to the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Through a battle. So the violent take it by force. By the way, we're not here to bring in the kingdom of heaven. Or else we would put a sword out there instead of, instead of the Bible. Do you understand? Uh, any religion that tries to bring a kingdom in on this earth usually does it at the point of a gun or a sword. Are you hearing me? The communists have done it. The Catholic Church did it in the Crusades. I could go on and on. And, and so your, your kingdom's different. It's a spiritual one right now. It's not a physical one right now. It's a spiritual one. 
and you enter it by spiritual birth, kingdom of God, John chapter 3. And so you, you, this right here is different, all right, than, than the kingdom that you're in right now. But notice something in verse 13, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. He's the last one leading up to Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 14. Here's where it gets weird. <laughs> for it, and if ye will, what? Now question, who's the ye there? No, it's not us. Yeah, let's go back to chapter 10. Look at chapter 10, and look, if you would, at verse number 6, verse number 5 and verse 6. When Jesus sent out his disciples, the first thing, he, now listen, you've got to understand where he, okay, where is he born, who is he from, what is he fulfilling, what is the message that's being preached? It's all about the kingdom being restored to Israel, right? Uh, they're even looking for that in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Look at Matthew 10, look, if you would, at verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter you not. Time out. Are you a Jew or a Gentile? Gentile. Most of you, are, as far as I know, you're Gentiles, right? So aren't you glad that this is not the last commission Jesus ever gives his, his disciples? You know what he says before he leaves? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Aren't you thankful for that? All right, but when he first starts his ministry, this was their commission. And look what he says here in verse number six. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go to the disciples, he's talking, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's why in verse eight, the, 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 the apostolic signs are there to show that they are the messengers of the kingdom. Now, I'm showing you all this for a reason. In verse number 14, when he says, if ye will receive it, he's not talking to a New Testament church. He's talking to, to, to Israel under the old covenant. If you receive the one that's supposed to pave the way for me to come, he would be your Elijah. Now you say, are you, are you, preacher, what do you think? Are you sure about that? Well, that's what he says. I believe it. You guys believe it? If you will receive it. Now here's the thing. They didn't receive it. As a matter of fact, the, the, the leadership of the nation of Israel wanted nothing to do with John the Baptist. All right. So they didn't receive it. So he did not become Elijah for them. All that's clear from history. But it's interesting because of this. All right. You know what Elijah was? He was a wild man. All right. And uh, you know what he did? He was the prophet that stood up when there was nobody else. You know who John the Baptist is? He's a prophet that stood up when there's nobody else. As a matter of fact, think about this. John the Baptist is the one that breaks the silence after 400 years of silence between Malachi and the New Testament. New Testament writings. And you know what he does? He is the voice of one. Remember this. Uh, 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 over there in 1 Kings 17, there on uh, Mount Carmel, where they have a standoff between the prophets of Baal and, and, and the, prophet, the prophet of God, the one prophet. There's Elijah by himself, and then there's everybody else. You talk about an awkward situation. Uh, you know, you go to school, and you're like, I'm the only Christian that carries my Bible. You go to work, the only Christian that takes your Bible to work and whatever. But imagine being the, uh, the stakes are a little bit higher when you're the only one, there's 400 or so of them, and whoever wins is, is going to kill the other one. But the stakes are a little bit higher, are they not? There's Elijah by himself. Do you know what Elijah says? Elijah says, if God be God, speak. And if, if Baal be God, speak. You know what the people did? They answered him not a word. You know what Elijah was there to do? To stand up by himself and break the silence. You know what John the Baptist did? He stood by himself and he broke the silence. You know what you should be doing today? Standing by yourself and breaking the silence. Now, all that said, I want you to notice there's a parallel between John the Baptist and Elijah. Now, look at uh, Revelation chapter 11. If they had received him, and they didn't, we understand that. What I want you to understand is this, though. 
everything that you're going to find in the second coming would have been in place back then. All right? You say, what do you mean by that? Well, all right, you had over here before Jesus Christ dies, you know what you have? You have Judas, who's called the son of perdition. All right? You have uh, the Antichrist in the tribulation. What's his name? Son of perdition. All right? You got the whole entire world, all right, under Rome. All right, over here, it happens again, Revelation chapter 18 in the tribulation. You've got John the Baptist, all right? His fan club calls him JTB, all right? All right, and uh, JTB, you got, you got John the Baptist, and you say, who is he? Well, he would have been Elijah, all right? And over here, you got Elijah showing up again, and you have Moses showing up. And you say, well, where's Moses over here? Actually, he does show up in Matthew 17, over there on the Mount of Transfiguration, there's Jesus in the middle, and then there's Moses and Elijah. You literally had everything in place over here. It had Israel receive their Messiah. Now listen, you can't play chess with God and win. I'm not trying to play mind games with you. Clearly, God's plan was to reach all of us. Thank God for that. But it's also clear that he made a promise to his nation. He had everything in place to go, look, if you do your part, I'm ready to do mine. They just weren't ready to do theirs. All right? Now, I want you to uh, uh, look at Revelation chapter 11, and I'm going to show you something. Revelation chapter 11, all right? And I want you to keep in mind Matthew 17, all right? Matthew 17, where Moses and Elijah show up. Revelation chapter 11. And uh, these are uh, two witnesses that are mentioned. By the way, they're mentioned one more time in your Bible. We're going to look at that. Revelation chapter 11. Look, if you would, at uh, verse number 4. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. You know what Moses and Elijah were doing in Matthew 17? They were standing before the God of the earth on both sides. Uh, Look back at verse 3 of uh, Revelation 11. I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. All right, so whoever these people are is two witnesses. They're called two candlesticks, almost like lights that are being sent. Uh, Look at verse 5. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies, and if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Question, who was the prophet that called fire down from heaven? Elijah. Elijah. All right. Keep that in mind. Look at verse 6. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Who was the one that uh, basically did the same thing in his ministry and then went to Ahab and said, rain's coming? Who was that? Elijah. Elijah. All right. Uh, look at verse 6. And have power over waters to turn them to what? blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will who did that guys in his day during his ministry was it not moses that turned the water to blood all right so it was moses turned the water to blood, and moses that brought the plagues on egypt so at the latter part of verse six you see water turning to blood and plagues so who is this talking about clearly is talking about moses and elijah all right they're the ones that show up in matthew 17 as well look at zechariah second to last book in your old testament zechariah chapter four Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4. Second to last book of your Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 4, and verse 11. Then answered I and said unto them, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto them, What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest not thou uh, uh, what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand before the Lord of the whole earth. 
the, the only two people that this describes, guys, is Moses and Elijah from Matthew 17, all right? And the description that's given of these two in Revelation chapter 11, and keep in mind that these two are the ones that represent the law and the what? The prophets. Who's the fulfillment of them both? Jesus Christ himself. All right, so now you say, why would you go on this whole entire thing talking about Elijah when we're talking about John the Baptist? Because Jesus said, had they received him, he would have been their Elijah. The problem was they rejected him. And, and what you'll find throughout the Bible is this. God sets things up based on your decision, based on your free will. And you decide which way the thing goes. And God goes, okay, if you choose door A, uh, this is my perfect plan for you. This is what I have planned. You choose door B. That's your choice. Uh, this is how this is going to go. But in the end, God is the one who goes, look, I, I'm going to have it set up to where truth lives and truth reigns. And with me, truth lives and dies, right? That's God. But you're the one that chooses how it plays out in your life. Israel as a nation rejected their Elijah. They rejected John the Baptist and furthermore rejected their Messiah. You know what they said? We have no king but Caesar. And uh, you know what that does? That puts them under the uh, Roman rule, and they pay for it, and Romans 11 talks all about that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I kind of want to go there because we're running out of time. Uh, let's go to uh, Romans chapter 11 real quickly. Romans 11. And we're going to come back to uh, something that's mentioned. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead and then come back. Uh, Romans chapter 11. And the Bible says over in John, we, we read it this morning, his own received him not. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, uh, remember this, as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. What a great title. Do you know that the moment you get saved, you're a child of God? Now, I want to remind you of something. I didn't say this, all right? Jesus Christ said this as we wrap up our Sunday school hour. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 8 to religious people, he said, ye are of your father, the devil. The Bible says in Colossians, he's translated us, those that are saved, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. All right, so when you get saved, what God does is he adopts you spiritually. You're, you don't get adopted physically, now bear with me on this, until the rapture, when your body's changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that's why it says we wait for the adoption, Romans 8. All right, that's the physical manifestation of it. But the spiritual thing happens the moment you get saved. And what is, aren't you thankful for that? Brings you into his family, makes you one of his kids, lets you eat at his table, all right? And the reason that that happens is because truth is presented to you, and then you said, yes, I will receive that, or no, I will reject that. But the moment you received it, that's when you became a child of God. It was not because God forced you to get saved or because of irresistible grace. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm not trivializing that, but I want you to understand that you still get to choose. If it's God forcing you to choose, let me ask you this. If that's how that works, when you sin, is God making you sin? You better say no, because <laughs> it would be an anti-biblical thought to say yes. God, God is the one that allows man to choose which way. When people say, why is there so much evil in the world? Because God lets us choose. But can I say this as well? The reason why your life could be transformed and changed and changed forever is because of a decision that takes place in the moment of time where you receive Jesus Christ. As many as received, but those that didn't, re, the nation that didn't receive him, what, what happens with them? Look at Romans chapter 11, and we'll explain this in further detail later on. Romans chapter 11, look if you would at verse number 25. 
For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness, look at the next two words, in part, is happened to Israel. Now, that word, those, those words, in part, are significant because it doesn't mean, it means two things. Number one, not just, it, it does not mean that just because someone is of Israel that they can't be saved. They can come to Christ just like anybody else. The other, the other reason why it says in part is because of this. If you go back to Romans 3, it says that the oracles of God were committed to the Jews. So to say that they're in complete, utter darkness when they actually have the book right in front of them, they could give them all the light that they need, would be foolish. So Paul writes, blindness in part has happened to Israel. And look what it says here, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Uh, go down, if you would, to verse... Uh, Number uh, 28, as concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they're beloved for the fathers. That's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's plural possessive for the father's sakes. Uh, Here's what I want you to get a hold of. All right, I'm going to close with this thought. Choices are a reflection of your character, and choices have consequences. And when the nation said, we have no king but Caesar, and they said, his blood be upon us and upon our children, there were consequences. And I just want to encourage you, Christian, to consider this as you live your life, the choices that you're making right now, to be a light and to bear witness for Jesus Christ or to not do that. There'll be eternal consequences from that. I'm thankful that some of you have found Jesus Christ. You've brought friends to church that they've gotten saved. Some of you are discipling other believers. That's a blessing. Can I say this? There are positive eternal consequences as well. But your choices have consequences. If, if I'm going to look at the passage we read this morning, and I think about John the Baptist and how he submitted to God's plan for his life, and I look at the nation of Israel and how they rejected their Messiah, here's what I would say. Choices have consequences. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Thank you for coming to Sunday School. Glad that you made it. We'll take about a 10-minute break. We'll start at 5 after for our morning service. And, uh, man, I've got to stand. You guys are all tall people. I've got to stand up here to see you. Uh, but uh, we'll be dismissing a word of prayer. Dads, we've got donuts for you out here. Uh, uh, kids that are normally in Sunday School, ages uh, K-4 to 6th grade, if you go out to the grassy area, your Sunday School teacher will be there with your memory verse, and you guys will have some cookies in between. So we'll meet back here at 5 after Let's close in a word of prayer. And Brother Thomas Ohola, Sr., if you would, dismiss us for this Sunday school hour.